I'm Pete Goffwood and welcome to another episode of Pinch of Salt. This week we'll be talking about books for cooks. Cookbooks play a huge role in my career and in my life. And it's something that I love reading, I love collecting. Although I must admit it wasn't always that way. When I first started working in London, uh, a chef by the name of Dan Evans, my head chef at the time, asked me a question that actually changed my view on cookbooks and my craft for that matter. He simply said to me, he said, who are you reading? And I said, what do you mean, who was I reading? And he said, look, if you're going to survive as a chef or grow as a chef, you have to continue to educate yourself on the best way to do that is by reading books. You've got to be continually investigating what those who've gone before have done and what your, your contemporaries are up to. So I actually asked Dan for a reading list to get me started. And he gave me a fantastic list that did have some of the classics on. And it, it's what got me addicted. And now for me, whenever I travel, there is nothing quite as satisfying is unearthing a treasure in a secondhand bookshop or a market store. A classic example of that is one of my favorite uh, collections of books, and that's the Time Life Good Cook series. It's a fantastic series of about 30 editions or 30 volumes that, was, that came out in the late 60s and ran till the early 80s when it was, when it was discontinued. And you say, unfortunately, it's now out of print. It is probably the most comprehensive pictorial book in terms of photographs, uh, illustrating technique, various uh, ingredients, what to do with them, how to do it properly, as well as a ton of recipes. And in fact, it took me 20 odd years to hunt down all 30 volumes. In fact, I used to carry around a list folded in my wallet in case I discovered uh, uh, some of these books somewhere and I, I, I didn't end up buying duplicates. Although, there are a number of naturally occurring duplicates in the series. And one of those reasons was that, that uh, this is just a, a nerd note on the series, um, it was that the series was released in the UK and in the States. And there's a couple of duplicate books where they have the same content but different names. Um, for example, uh, the Americans, the British and ourselves, call, we call it offal whereas they call that variety meat. So there are two books with different titles, but the same, the same content. And the thing about the series was it really was fantastic, and I was obsessed with finding it everywhere. Because it was out of print, even good book, book stalls, um, uh, bookshops, didn't, didn't keep it. So you could only find it from secondhand buyers and bits and pieces. And I have to admit, when I, when I finally bought the, the last volume and my 20-year quest came to an end, it was a little bit anticlimactic because now I didn't have anything left to, to collect. But back to the rest of the list that Dan gave me, and, and it's something that's always obsessed me, or I've been fascinated with, and that's the older writers. Uh, people like Elizabeth David, Jane Grigson, uh, MFK Fisher, Julia Child, Marcella Hazan, uh, to name it a few. Um, these are, are writers who had a huge influence in the 60s and 70s, pretty much changing how people approached or thought about food. You know, um, Elizabeth David in the 19, in 1950s particular drag, drag post-World War II Britain into the, in, into the new world, introducing them to Mediterranean cuisine. Michele Hazan has some fantastic books documenting the history of Italian food and a brilliant book uh, documenting the history and relevance of Jewish cuisine. And, and so what I love about these books is that they're not just an anthology of recipes. There, there is, there's stories behind the recipes. There's stories behind the ingredients, how these recipes came into being, their cultural significance. And, and that's what I'm looking for. I look for books that not just have host, host, 
historical portent, but, you know, chefs as well, or restaurateurs who have a passion for what they do and, and love telling the story of, of where something originated, where it came from, where they first started using it, or how they stumbled upon it. Because, you know, if you think about it, there are very few original ideas when it comes to cooking. Most of what most chefs do is is an accumulation of everywhere you've ever worked and everyone you've ever worked with. And every time you come up with a dish, that you may call your own or, or a combination you may call your own. It's basically that is built on everything you've read and learned up until that point. And that's where books come into it. I mean, I'll give you a classic example of the type of recipe that I'm talking about. One of my favorite, and it's my go-to uh, lemon tart recipe. Everyone loves a good lemon tart. Now, this is a recipe that a lot of chefs might recognize. And it's, it's a basic one. I'll just give you the basics of the actual um, the filling itself, not the tart base. Juice and zest of five lemons, four eggs, 200 grams of sugar, 300 mils of cream. Literally mixed all these ingredients together, left to sit overnight, and then you strain out the, you, you strain the mixture to get out of the actual, at the zest, and that's what you bake in the oven. Now, this is something that I learned from restaurants in London. It turns out that it actually appears in one of my favorite books we'll talk about later, and that's Marco Pierre White's White Heat, a fantastic book from the early 90s. And this is a recipe standard from that book. It turns out that he actually got the recipe while working at, at the famous three-star Michelin restaurant La Gavroche um, in Mayfair in London under Elway Rue. And now this is a book. So, so this is a, a recipe that chefs, particularly in London and all around the world, and us here in South Africa as well, it's a 40 or 50-year-old recipe that has stood the test of time that is still being used. And so that's the kind of thing that I look for in, when I'm looking for books, is that kind of, that kind of story. And, you know, a lot of the, the cookbooks that are churned out these days are a little bit about, a, you know, a, a sort of chef mutual masturbation society about, look at the fantastic food that I can make. And there's, you know, it's just a list of recipes, some of them impossible to follow unless you're an ardent professional and know how to source ridiculous ingredients. I prefer everyman kind of books that, are, that, that appeal to as much to professional chefs as they do to, to passionate home cooks, that the ingredients, are, uh, the ingredients and the techniques are, are both available and approachable. And so I'll give you, a, what I've got here is a list of 10 of my probably most treasured and well-used books. So these are books that I continually thumb through or continually return to for inspiration or for, you know, actual recipes that I know are tried and, and tested and work. So in no, I say, I've listed these in alphabetical order, so, so there aren't any real favorites. And the first one is Bouchon by um, uh, Thomas Keller, uh, more famous for his fine dining restaurant, the Flinch Laundry. But he also has the Bouchon Bistro, which for me is more my kind of food. It speaks to the kind of simplicity and on honesty of food. It's it's more it's it's less fiddly food with less uh, less components on the plate. But it's all about ingredients and process. And that for me, his 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 kitchen staples are the backbone of any good kitchen. And that's the kind of book. That's one of why it's one of my favorites. The next on the list is Charcuterie and French Pork Cookery by Jane Grigson. Now this, for anybody who's ever wanted to cure something, uh, make your own sausages, 
pâtés in terrines, or if you want to take it to a higher grade level and start making your own hams or gammons, or that, this is the book. I still love the simple Toulouse uh, a, a sausage recipe. I often use it, and that's hand-chopped pork, and how to salt it and cure it and hang it yourself. It really is a book that I, I return to again and again for for those that kind of that kind of cured meat all that kind of stuff is, is something i love making and, and that's the perfect book for it next up on the list is chez panisse cooking by alice waters now this is a, a restaurant chef and restaurateur from from american from berkeley california she opened her restaurant in 1972 and, and shaped a whole generation's perception of the role of regional and seasonal produce Basically, to this day, they still do their open in the evenings and they only have a set menu. It's four courses and it changes every evening and it's driven by the produce that she grows in, on her own farm or the, or the produce that's grown and farmed in the surrounding valley and likewise for, for the wines. And she was one of the first to start really uh, espousing seasonality and local produce and, and this was long before the concept of carbon footprint ever made its way into anyone's vernacular she also has a series of, a, 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 long, a big series of books actually she's got a beautiful one on fruit on vegetables her dessert book is stunning she's about five or six dessert, uh, books in the by alice waters in the shape and his range well worth a read the next up is uh, also um, a, a, a writer who's quite dear to me, Richard Whittington. This is a book called Cutting Edge, Californians Cooking Inspiration. The thing I love about this, apart from the great recipes and the food, is the humor with which it's written. You know, anyone who, can, who has the gumption to refer to commercially produced mayonnaise as having, and I quote, having the consistency of genital lubricant is, is fine by me. And he's also co-authored one of my next favorites, which is Keep It Simple. By, by both himself, Richard Whittington, and Alistair Little. I had the, the pleasure of working for Alistair Little, and I was actually involved in the, in the launch of this book. This, he was one of the first um, chefs in London who, who started a daily changing menu. Um, I, I had the pleasure of working a number of months in his restaurant while I worked in London on, on, on holidays that I was taking. Um, and that was it. We'd sit in the morning and figure out, we knew what was coming in ingredients-wise, and we'd write a menu for that specific day. And his book is all about seasons and about those ingredients and, and about getting the best out of, out of good, good ingredients. You know, for me, that and the next book, The Roast Chicken and Other Stories, it's shopping as is, important, is as important as cooking. So that next book, Roast Chicken and Other Stories by Simon Hopkinson, again, this is a book with a reverence for ingredients and simplicity. So much so that each chapter is an ingredient. It's not Starters, main course, and dessert. Nor is it driven by season. There's a, there's a chapter on anchovies and a couple of anchovy recipes. There's a there's a there's a, a chapter on lamb. There's a champ, chapter on on vanilla. So it really, really driven by simplicity. This book, beautiful, beautiful recipes. The next one is one of the old school ones. Um, uh, M. F. K. Fisher. Her book is called Serve It Forth. Now, this is one of the writers from the 60s, an American writer with a very ascorbic wit and was very uh, famous for her scathing rebuke of uh, any uncivilized table practices or table manners. She had quite a tongue on her and actually is responsible for my favorite food quote of all time. And I'll read it to you because it really is my favorite. And above all, friends should possess the rare gift of sitting. They should be able, no eager to sit for hours, three four, six, 
over a meal of soup and wine and cheese, as well as one of twenty fabulous courses. Then, with good friends of such attributes, and good food on the table, and good wine in the pitcher, we may well ask, when shall we live, if not now? Certainly a quote that resonates to everything I like about making food and feeding people. The next dish, the next book is called Star Desserts by Emily Lucchetti. This is my, my dessert Bible, my go-to book. I'm not a very talented dessert chef because I don't eat a lot of desserts. But this book has everything you will ever need from basics of good pan- pan- pancake batter to the most magnificent three-layered chocolate cake and everything, biscuits, brioche, you name it. There has it's got some stunning staples in this and some beautiful creative stuff as well. That also always, I mean, I've had to have that recovered. I've used it so many times, it's fallen apart. The next up is Summer Cooking, again by one of the old, the old school, Elizabeth David. This book was written in the 1960 and is still, and is still relevant today. As I said, this is one of the books. This dragged the English uh, kicking and screaming out of post-war World War II from that rationing mentality and where everything was boiled to death and where the English food gets its terrible reputation from. She was the one who introduced the English to the Mediterranean style of cooking. And, and that style of cooking can still be seen today in, in modern British food. The number 10, or the last on this list, is, is White Heat by Marco Pierwhite. Now this, not only just for the food, but for the story. You know, Marco Pierwhite was the original bad boy. And, and, and probably, without, without realizing it, the very first celebrity chef. And, and by celebrity chef, I don't mean someone who's appeared on television, or he, although he has done. Um, at the time, his was the Harvey's in, uh, in Wandsworth Common was the hottest restaurant in London. He was the youngest chef ever to achieve a Michelin star, um, and the first English chef ever to achieve two stars. Um, and so he was, in, in, the, in, in 1990, I think it was 89 to 92 or 93, he, his restaurant was, was the place where, where everyone who was anyone was seen. A very small little uh, unassuming restaurant, about a 40-seater. Um, and it was, it was frequented by the who's who of, of, well, of London society. You know, all the models, all the football players, all the movies, everyone who was anybody went to Harvey's. And one of the reasons, was, apart from the fact that the most delightful and magnificent food was the fact that he <laughs> had a notorious temper and, and, and was known for chucking people out of his restaurant. He, um, he has, has, has thrown out a couple of, uh, of food critics as well as objectionable uh, customers who asked for well-done steak and things along those lines. But his book, um, and then, in fact, the, ph- the photographer, the photography, uh, a famous photographer called Carlos Clark, really put a mood to a cookbook that was, that was quite, quite something. The writing in it's great, the beautiful recipes, but it really is quite something. Um, and I have to say that I'm a proud owner of a signed copy from uh, Marco Pierwhite. So that's my top 10 books that are my most influential. But I think what I need to include is an 11th book in this. And that's because it's one of my favorite local cookbooks. Um, and this is, it's actually relatively new. It came out in the last couple of years. Um, I, would, I, I stand on a correction probably maybe two years ago, two or three years ago, pre, pre-COVID. And it's called uh, Mile 8, a book about cooking. And it's about, it's by David Hicks. Just, just everything I like about a cookbook is what it says on the cover, a book about cooking. And this is, is, is it's a fantastic, um, it's a fantastic book about 
who Dave is and where his food comes from. It, it's it's a very emotional journey, and it's it's not one that's full of bravado and saber rattling about all his achievements awards, of which he has earned many. But but it's more um, an honest and endearing endearing journey of of his ups and downs, and he pays tribute along the way to all of those who either mentored him, worked with him, or worked for him. Um, in order to achieve the, the success that he has. The food is beautiful. They're great recipes. And, and I think um, a fantastic uh, anthology to have on your shelves if you love good cookbooks. Well, so those are my books for cooks. Until we meet again next week, may the sauce be with you.